like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk welcome to the latest edition of the just not sports podcast this is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like just not sports it's also the show where you can hear a guy with strep throat make his audition tape in real time to play kermit the frog that would be me on today's show we will talk to Sports Illustrated NBA writer and podcaster Ben Golliver, who will break down his passion for the outdoors, and we'll set a record for the least amount of times an NBA reporter is asked about LeBron this summer. And buckle up, America, for the nerdiest, deepest breakdown of the Shaq LeVar Ball diss track, which I'm currently trying to convince my wife retroactively to make our wedding song. Stay tuned for <laughs> that. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. As mentioned, sick this week, but plowing through. Forgive my voice. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. And on the on the line this week in multiple different places across America, let's start with the man, the myth, the legend, Uber Sports PR executive, Adam Willard. Adam, what's it, my wife and I were discussing because my whole house has strep. What's the sickest you've ever been in your adult life? Um, it's funny you say that. I was thinking about you the other day. This actually happened to me probably three months ago. I was getting ready to go on a business trip, and um, I discovered uh, that I had a 103-degree fever. So I went to oh. urgent care. It's the first time in my adult, adult life I've missed more than one day of work due to sickness and I was bedridden for three days with strep and the flu. Ugh. That's brutal, man. That's brutal. Uh, also with us somewhere in the United States of America, it's our seven time Emmy winning sports producer, Gareth Hughes. Gareth, where are you this week? I'm in South Carolina at my parents house. It's my mom's birthday tomorrow. We brought the kids down here, went to the beach and we're here for her birthday. <laughs> Gareth, your energy level your energy level sounds a little low, buddy. You doing okay? <laughs> and we have discovered for the first time in their lives the trashy joy that is a water park. And I've spent not I've spent my last two days at a water park with those kids. And uh I'm pretty beat, but I, I definitely went on the big water slide for the first time in probably 20 years, and that made it all worthwhile. Gareth, uh, I was going to ask you what's the sickest you've ever been in your adult life, but the answer is six days from now. I was going to say, check would be in 48 hours. <laughs> when you get crypto spidorium or whatever the hell it is, when kids don't wipe their asses good enough, and then go in those water parks. Yeah, I definitely said at one point, I wonder how much pee I've drunk in the last two days. So, yeah, well, it was all worth it for the look of joy on their faces. Right now, we're going to take the open of the show and make it wide open. Anything around the world of sports is fair game, except the game. Gareth, start with you. I know you got a lot to do. You're on vacation. You are basking in the the warm beach uh, goodness aura, if you will. Uh, What's on your mind this week? Well, so it's reading the old Just on Sports Twitter feed, and Brad tweeted out something about Steve Bartman getting a World Series ring from the Chicago Cubs. And it went kind of viral. A lot of people were tweeting it. That was cool to see. Love it. Um, And it basically said, leave Steve Bartman alone. He did nothing to deserve this. And this is a nice end to the story. I agree. B.A. Good. Here's the problem with the Bartman story or the Bill Buckner story or to a much lesser degree, the Ray Allen story that has always bothered me. And that is, these were all game sixes. This is game six. Like the Cubs had to come or the Red Sox had to come back. 
the next night and lose an entire game with a separate pitcher and then turn around and blame a first baseman or some rando fan in the first row of the foul, the, the, the bleachers. Like, it just, these narratives take hold and we totally lose sight of the facts. And I, I look, I've been a part of that over the course of my life and career, but man, it was game six. There was a whole nother game to lose to make that story happen. It had nothing to do with Steve Bartman or Bill Buckner. So just remember they had to come back the next day with a clean uniform, a crappy night's sleep and lose again to make Steve Bartman happen. Well, it's a little known fact that Bartman coached game seven for the Cubs. <laughs> Did he give up the, was it a, didn't a pitcher of each of those teams hit a home run in that game? Like that was a weird game seven, wasn't it? Kerry Wood hit a home run in that game. Uh, as the starter, they were down. He gave up like two early runs or whatever, and then he hit a home run to tie the game. If you said to me, uh, you know, clearly the World Series was like the greatest moment in Cubs uh, fandom when they, when they actually won that game seven. But if you were to say to me, like, mm. does that Kerry Wood moment stand up in terms of the most excited you ever were watching the Cubs? Is it in the ballpark of that? I'd say, yeah, like, because that was a moment of true belief. It was like, there's no way we're going to lose this game. Our, our pitcher just hit a home run. Well, we did. We proved him wrong. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we sucked it up and, uh, and closed that deal. This is not really a hot take uh, 13 years later. <laughs> so, uh, cool. Baseball, guys. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> hey, can I ask you something? Way off topic, but Adam, you just introduced it. I, was, I went and got lunch with one of my old mentors at the Patriots a couple weeks ago. Dave, I've mentioned him on here in the past. And he said to me, in regards to baseball, will we see in our lifetime one of the four major sports fold? Interesting. Maybe hockey before baseball, I think. I think hockey has a more dedicated fan base. I think baseball does before hockey. I just think that at one point the outdoor channel had the NHL contract, which makes me think they're in the most danger. Candidly, you see how much stuff gets rebooted and brought back. I have to imagine that even if the league's were on the brink that somebody would pump money into it to just just to salvage it. They'd buy it for a penny on the dollar and just keep the brands alive because they are potential revenue generators, you know? If they could keep freaking Kmart alive uh and keep bringing, you know, it you know, keep bringing back uh I'm trying to think of a movie that just keeps uh, keep bringing back the Fantastic 4. It's like then they're going to keep you know, keep baseball alive. You know what I mean? <laughs> We've just seen our 17th Spider-Man movie. Maybe they'll, maybe all the sports will survive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the Yankees get at least, at least an Andrew Garfield style swing at a, at a, at a reboot, uh, <laughs> you know, before, before America just says, close it down. This is something we, I like, I want to reboot the Yankees. That would be a fun exercise. So. <laughs> All right, Gareth, you're on vacation. Anything else you want to add before you, you sign off? Uh, no, I just, uh, Brad, you go next so I can mute it and listen to your hot take live on, uh, the, on your wide open. All right, I don't guys. Think Brad's ever been more excited for a wide you, open. You, you knew this was coming. <laughs> you knew this was coming. Shaquille O'Neal, America's greatest poet has released a LeVar Ball diss track. It's like, I, I said this a few times, it's, it's like Shaq has my dream journal. You know, like, like he's reading my, <laughs> reading my thoughts. Because I was like the, the waiting, waiting for this. And so right now, you know, Joe Reed's not here. Joe, hit us up with a little bit of that Shaq magic. Dude's talking loud. I don't understand. Walk around like they the true big call of tan. How you think that? I'm about to spit facts. I walk in Reebok in 92, I came out with the shacks. I've been doing this a long time. When you was averaging two points, riding a pine. You see my t-shirts, you see my feet work. It's all a brand. 
That was me first. How many parades did I get? Guys, amazing. It's truly amazing. Adam, I got a question for you real quick. Is yeah. this is the first of all, I have a lot of questions and I have a lot of thoughts. But is this diss track better than the Kobe diss track? Let's start there. Yeah, it's more organized. Um I have a lot of thoughts on this too. I think he loses it towards the end, but it is more topical and relevant. Um it's as if he it's it's as if you wrote it, Brad, and if if Shaq had actually joined our podcast, I believe that maybe the two of you collaborated on this, but I'm guessing this was done independently. <laughs> I mean, I got a hot take here. I do not think this is better than the Kobe diss track. Uh, really? Because I thought the Kobe diss track was a much hotter take. Okay, let me ask you this, Adam. No, it, was there any moment in this in this rap, which I love, by the way. And in fact, I'm going to put it into the, I'm going to rank it in the, in the Shaq rap canon in a minute. Um, Cause I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a solid entry, but I, I would say there's nothing in it that is as signature as like, tell me how my ass tastes. You know what I mean? Like there was not that one kaboom line that made the world stop and go, we needed to hear that. I would agree. I would agree with that. I think this, again, I think this is a better constructed, rap song overall but you're right there isn't a distinct line that will last forever this is almost the equivalent of rap clickbait yeah like you said it's a better song but as a pure diss track it's a little soft i mean he gets he he gets let's talk about some of the lyrics real quick all right let's talk about some of the lyrics because shack old man shack yeah older shack versus younger shack the rapper uh, you know he's he's weaving a lot. He's given us a lot of, to work with. We got some we got some great '90s references. We've got some blatant commercialism for his current batch of sponsors, which I want to break down, and uh, lots of nostalgia for an era when maybe maybe more people than just me were, were spending their money on Shaquille O'Neal's music. Let's start with the '90s player references because my favorite line in the in the whole song, Adam, is. I had whatever I want, <laughs> like Tony, Tony, Tony. You beating me? That's a bunch of baloney. You think you're mailman? You ain't even Jeff Malone. E. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, and then continues with, what? When did you play? Huh? What year? Oh yeah, you play for Dallas, Eric Dampier. I love that, that too. To me, that's more of a. That's more of a diss to Eric Dampier than it is LeVar Ball. It's like he nailed it. I was like, man, he, he as soon as he said Eric Dampier, I was like, ah, uh, he nailed it. He nailed it. I had whatever I want. Like Tony, Tony, Tony. You beating me? That's a punch of baloney. You think you mailman? You ain't even Jeff Maloney. When did you play, huh? What year? Oh, yeah, you played for Dallas. Eric Dampier. Uh, the Jeff Malone Carmelo <laughs> thing I thought was great, except for it didn't quite rhyme. But I think that's I think that's pretty hilarious. <clears throat> the 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 commercialism though, Adam. I gotta knock him for some. I gotta knock him points on this. Like, you you want to battle D's? You you better have endurance before you crash, man. Get that general insurance or get some icy hot rub it on your back before you break that f around with Shaq. One of battle D's, you better have endurance. Before you crash, man, get that general insurance. Or get some icy hot, rub it on your back. Before you break that, go around with Shaq. You think you got a little money on the side for that? I mean, first of all, I want to give a quick I want to give a quick shout out to the general insurance and icy hot account executive PR people who are tracking the Shaquille O'Neal articles and counting impressions for the brand over their weekend. Pour one out for those those guys. It gets better. It gets better. Uh, I would say he probably didn't get money for it. He probably just did it as a gesture of goodwill. Or he, candidly, he may get points on the back end with like that general insurance deal. I mean, I don't know how much money they have to throw at him. I do like those commercials, though, Adam. In fact, I, I've almost suggested we talk about them on the show. <laughs> Are you afraid of saying anything negative against Shaq because you're afraid maybe he won't join the podcast if you criti- if you if you ever criticize him? 
No, I, I've got some criticisms. Look, I've already said that I think this was not quite the Kobe diss track level of, of track. I think that like the references, but you still lo- but you love it. Oh, I love you it, but like the pop it. culture references are definitely di- like, and bow down to my Staples Center statue hanging off the side, off the building. Excuse me, arena. I feel I feel like Martin with this flow. Damn, Gina. Look, I enjoyed that line on a personal level, but it's almost like Shaq has not changed the channel from you know, the CW in 25 years. Like, there has to be <laughs> something that has come forward between now and and then that is more relevant than damn Gina for your millennial audience. I have to give you, I have to give a reference. This was seven years ago, but still outdated at the time. And I hate to say this, but um, when I used to sit down with players and uh, go through their personal information for the Packers media guide. I would ask 22 year old players who I questioned if they had ever seen Martin, what their favorite TV show was. And unfortunately I have to say probably 50% of black players said Martin. I don't know if it's something that you have to say. (laughs) I remember the show and I love the show but I don't believe that any 22-year-old has said it. Based on the fact that now as an old man, I make a cultural reference from the late 90s and everyone in the room gives me a blank stare. I once referenced Varsity Blues in a meeting and someone looked at me and said, uh, I don't watch old movies. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the Martin reference, yeah, a bit outdated. And when you wake up, Apologize and bow down to my staples in a statue hanging off the side of the building. Excuse me, Arena. I feel like Martin with this flow. Damn, Gina. <laughs> All right, here. Um, Adam, I have I've taken the time to evaluate where I think this song ranks in Shaq's overall musical canon. And I asked myself, is this a top 10 Shaq rap? By my count, Shaq has released 72 different rap songs in his career. Okay. Like (laughs) (laughs) you, you really, you counted. Yes. Oh man. Yes. Okay. Not counting interludes on, on the albums like that. Just pure full tracks. I have this ranking at number 10. So number ten, I had the Lavar diss track. <laughs> okay, I, it's, ten is the Lavar diss track. Nine okay. is the Kobe diss track. All right, eight is "Can't Stop the Rain" with Biggie. Seven is Adam Millard's favorite. Yo, okay, you remember? You remember my, my, my? You remember your favorite Shaq song? Uh, biological couldn't bother. Is that uh, <laughs> yes? I don't know. The biological name of the song, couldn't but, bother. Yeah. the song about Shaq's uh, infamously uh, strained relation with his biological father. Six is "What's Up Doc" yep. with Fushnikins. Five is uh, "Where uh-huh. You At." Uh, by the way, uh, Shaq has a, a remarkable number of songs that end with a question mark. <laughs> "What's Up Doc"? Where you at? <laughs> Pretty interesting. Um, four is "I'm Outstanding." Three is No Hook, uh, Jensen Carp, a.k.a. Hot Carl, his favorite Shaq song. That's got RZA and Method Man. And it's kind of, it's, it's probably most inventive song. There's actually no real, there is no real chorus or hook to the song. It's it's just kind of them riffing. Uh, it's, 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 it's weird. It's a weird listen, but it's interesting. Two is Men of Steel with Ice Cube. Uh, you know, Karis One is on that. I think that came out when he put out Steel, the movie. And number one, Adam. I can't even say it without giving a shout out real quick to my boy Uzi, Jeff, Jeff, Little Swanee, Meets, Ron Mack, and my other cousin Ron. It is I Know I Got Skills off Shaq's debut. Still. Yeah. The greatest, yeah. The greatest That's Shaq. Interesting. I, I've, forgotten a, I've forgotten a lot of, about a lot of those. I might have to move Fushnikins up that list. I might have to put them at like three or four. For, oh. I forgot about that one. All right. Well, we took up a lot of time I know what I'll there. be doing this weekend. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm doing tonight. Uh, all right. We took up a lot of time there, Adam. You got you want to go wide open on something else? Yeah, I want to talk about athlete responsibility. Um, there's a recent story, or rather, uh, Twitter exchange, 
Um, J.J. Watt recently discovered that his teammate, DJ Reader, doesn't believe in dinosaurs. There was a, I'll let you guys look it up, I'd rather not read tweets, but DJ Reader, for reasons unknown, doesn't believe in dinosaurs, which to me is disturbing, despite all the empirical evidence that exists. And then I recently read a story, we talked about this a little while back, that Kyrie Irving, um, it's hard to know whether he said it in jest or if he actually believes it, but he believes that the earth is flat, again, despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary and no evidence to suggest that the earth is flat. He believes that. And the follow-up to that is now there are elementary and, and even high school teachers who are saying they're having difficulty teaching geography and having conversations about geography um, with their students because they heard that Kyrie Irving believes that the earth is flat and because of his influence with the youth, they figure why not adopt the same idea. This makes me think of the great debate of the 90s where the Nike ad where Charles Barkley says, I'm not a role model. And I think a lot of his critics says said, well, whether you want to be or not, you are. What responsibility do athletes have to investigate, use facts, and understand that, sure, they can have their beliefs, but that their, I don't know any other way to say it, their ignorant beliefs may have an, a negative impact on our youth. Is, is I mean, we love to hear about athlete interests, but don't they have a responsibility to get it right or believe in science? Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I know Kyrie's a weird dude. Um, he's someone that is clearly all over the news these days. I really just feel like he doesn't believe a lot of this stuff, but that these guys are just totally bored with their interactions with the media. They're completely over everything they say being picked apart into sound bites without context. And I think a lot of them are just hurling stuff at the wall and laughing at it. And I, I, I think, yes, they should think a little bit harder about what they say. Um, because you don't want to be just out there spreading misinformation for no reason. But I also think it's the media's responsibility to be like, should I publish every single comment from these guys just because I think it'll get clicks? Or should I just be like, I don't think he's being serious. I'm not going to pretend like he's being serious. I'm going to like just bury this in my notebook like I would have in the 1980s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I think the the difference, particularly with DJ Reader, is that he continued he continued the debate um, with fans on Twitter, Twitter saying, uh, don't knock my theories, bro. Uh, like... A theory is based on some kind of evidence. You, uh, sure, you can believe anything you, you want, but it doesn't say much for a college-educated man who, despite evidence to the contrary, believes that dinosaurs didn't exist. I don't know. I just find it a, a bit a bit disturbing. And I usually don't – I rarely ever – like the Kyrie thing I thought was kind of fun and funny, and I thought he might be playing a joke. Uh, this DJ Reader thing takes it to a new level. Uh, we are maybe truly living out idiocracy more and more every day, and it bothers me. A fair, fair point. Once again, Adam Millard, the voice of reason that we all need in these cr- crazy times. Okay, that's wide open. We'll be back later with our distractions, or at least Adam and I will. Gareth is off having a... What do you, Adam, what do you think Gareth's drink of choice would be? on the beach vacation, given he does not drink alcohol. Um, that's, that's a good, yeah. What kind of kitty cocktail is he drinking? I don't know. Whatever gets rid of the anal herpes he got from the water slide today. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> the cryptospidorum. Okay. Right now we're going to go to an interview that I had a chance to do with Ben Golliver of sports illustrated. He is a huge outdoorsman. The opposite of me. Someone who has found a new life, uh, been reinvigorated by his journeys to the national parks. Someone who called in for a podcast about Kyrie Irving from uh, said national park. 
because that whole situation broke when he was out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, interesting guy, super great story. Stick around, I think you're really going to enjoy it. And then after that, Adam and I will be back to distract you. In a pool. I learned the game from William Wesley, you can never test me. Because when I'm done, they're going to nipple me like Elvis Presley. Watch him out, don't have to step out of line. Shaq O'Neal broke greatest of all time. This is a game to me. This is not a sport. My name ain't Shaq. I'm the Black Michael Rappaport. And Big Baller brand t-shirts look uncomfortable. I was listening to your podcast, your emergency podcast, with Andrew on uh, on the Kyrie Irving trade demand. And I, I had a good laugh at at how you, you seemed to be like rushing off to the bat phone from some national park that you were in. So I guess I want to start by like, where were you when that happened? And is there anywhere that the NBA can cannot find you? Yeah, I got to say, we always very carefully script our vacation days because the NBA has just become this insane like year round thing. And usually one of the safest bets for me is like the week right after summer league, because a lot of the stars will go through Las Vegas. You'll kind of get your chance to talk to them. Like LeBron James was there. A few other guys were there. Uh, and that's sort of kind of the last chapter of the season and everybody goes into hiding. And then the, the Kyrie Irving stuff just picked up uh, immediately after that. So it was unfortunate that that was sort of the only time I could really get completely off. Uh, but I had spent the previous week uh, before that news broke basically doing a rushed tour of Yellowstone, Grand Teton, uh, Zion National Park. Uh, and Bryce Canyon Park in Utah. So I was basically just kind of living the bank robber lifestyle, like crossing state lines, going back and forth, uh, try, <laughs> trying to just sample as many of the parks as I could. You know, a lot of times um, it's kind of an in and out thing. I'm just trying to get a feel for them. Maybe I'll find one that I love and I want to go back to. But I was way off the grid when that stuff happened. And, you know, you come back from like the no service area on your cell phone and you start to see these crazy, you know, Kyrie Irving rumors and you know, you're, <laughs> you're trying to catch up on the on the takes. And, uh, you know, it's very disoriented because, you know, at the same time, like I was in kind of a Zen state of mind. Right. Like you're you're buried in the Utah wilderness. Right. Uh, the last thing you're thinking about is like, what are the top five destinations for him to land? You know, I don't want to sound silly when I say this. I don't want to overstate it. But for a lot of people that I know, when they talk about the outdoors or being with nature, a lot of them talk about it as it's kind of a religious experience. And I'm just wondering from your perspective as someone who, you know, in our emails back and forth, you kind of talked about yourself as an evangelist, uh, you know, for, for the outdoors. How much of that, uh, you know, connection with nature, that, that, that peace, that calm, that Zen feeling... Uh, do you feel is is just really heightened or elevated versus everyday experience? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm a native Oregonian, so I grew up around the outdoors. Uh, my grandparents had a house on Lake Michigan. That's sort of where we went every summer. So, you know, that lake experience and, you know, seeing the beautiful views and all of that, I mean, some of like my best childhood memories, right? So I think there's a little bit of that, but to tell you the truth, I'm fairly new to really getting into hiking in the outdoors. And there's people who are way more serious about it than me. Like I don't really have the boots. I don't have the hiking sticks or, uh, you know, I, I do have a camelback backpack just in case, you know, I I'd go out of the California desert and I don't, uh, I don't dehydrate, but I'm not like the most hardcore person about it. But for me, it's less about the religious experience and it's more just about like the practical balance that I needed in life. Like if you look at my job, one of the moments I always look back to, it's like the 2014 NBA Finals and LeBron has a cramp uh, in San Antonio and you know, <laughs> the, the air conditioning's turned off, right? And so like I find myself, and first of all, I want to be very clear, I love my job. Like I love writing about the NBA. I've always been a huge basketball fan. Like it's a complete dream job, right? But like every job has those moments where you sort of question your your place in the world and I'm waiting in this cramped, hot locker room surrounded by people on all sides. I'm actually crouched underneath a photographer who is dripping sweat slowly on my head as we all wait for LeBron to come out. Oh. And we're in there for 45 minutes waiting for LeBron, and he just doesn't show up. Uh, you know, He ended up putting out a statement later after the game because he was getting treatment. Uh, and it was just one of those situations where... Uh, so much of the job is, you know, kind of confined, right? And you're also not really in control. Like you're waiting for other people. You're waiting to interview people. Right. Uh, and it, it might be a tight space in the press room. It might be a tight space uh, on an airplane. It might be a, a tight space, you know, just inside of a, a gigantic arena where there's tons and tons of noise everywhere. 
And so I think the outdoors, like searching for space kind of became like a nice balance. It's like, oh, I want some fresh air. I'd like to get out. I, I would, you know, I would uh, like to see some things that I wouldn't normally see in my day-to-day life. And so uh, it kind of started slowly, but surely from that, like I look at that 2014 finals kind of as a turning point, because it was like, after you're kind of crunched in and miserable, you, you just want to run, you kind of like want to <laughs> get out and, you know, road trips, you know, you're behind the wheel, you choose how long you're going to go for, you choose where you're going to go, you choose your schedule. Uh, and, you know, there's not really any pressure, there's no deadline. Uh, and, you know, the great outdoors, you get to some of these national parks, I mean, you could go there for a month and not see everything. So, uh, to me, I think it's maybe a little bit less about the religious side and more about kind of a practical balance of like, you know, work life. You mentioned the NBA reporter lifestyle and just how not conducive it is for, um, you know, for, for seeing the outdoors in terms of we, we think of it and we think, hey, you know, you, uh, you're traveling all the time. You're going to these like big cities. But there has to be some spots that you've found uh, now that you've kind of uh, made this a huge part of your life. There has to be some spots in NBA cities that you feel like are maybe underrated or or hidden gems that you go seek out. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Well, the, the one thing I'd say about the NBA lifestyle that is perfect for this is that you know, I'm on the road a lot, right? And I've got a lot of Marriott points kind of accumulated yeah. from all those travels. So that really is an advantage. To- <laughs> Gold card. Yeah, exactly. Well, Platinum Premier right now, I'm very proud of it. So, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. W- what I'd say is it gives you an advantage in terms of like, uh, you know, when there is downtime, okay, now the trip maybe is more affordable and you have some familiarity with the local area. I mean, I think being a West Coast guy, I'm very biased. Like, I think there's just an unbelievable amount of spots. And like in the Los Angeles, the greater Los Angeles area, there's mountains, there's coastlines. I mean, kind of the same thing for the Bay. You really can't go wrong uh, up and down that coast. Uh, to me, one area that I've just kind of fallen in love with, it's Utah. You know, it's it's the Red Rocks out there. The first time you see it, Uh, I mean, it just takes your breath away. And it's funny because everyone talks about like the Grand Canyon or they talk about Yellowstone uh, with Old Faithful. And it's like a lot of those Utah parks are like squeezed in between these major landmarks. But I feel like people don't talk about them. Perhaps there's like a stigma around the state. Uh, I'm not sure exactly uh, why they don't get kind of the credit. But to me, like Bryce Canyon, I mean, when you go there, you realize there's no possible way anything else like this could exist anywhere in the world. I mean, it took thousands and thousands of years to create. And I'm not like a science guy at all. I mean, I pretty much had to take like rocks for jocks, pass, fail in college. I was like a total writing nerd. Uh, (laughs) You know, I took the AP college or the AP science classes in high school, but like it just was all over my head. So I'm not even going these places necessarily to like read the factoids about uh, how the rocks were formed or why there's so many spires. It's more to just, you know, look at something and be like, wow, this is completely unique. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite things to do, and this has kind of become a personal challenge of mine as I've gone along, uh, I'm real obsessed with like the panoramic feature on an iPhone. So what I love to do is when I can get to one of these yeah. parks where there's like, uh, you know, it's not like Disneyland where there's 10,000 people in every picture, right? Like the challenge for me became you go to a place like Bryce walk around maybe for 45 minutes, you know, off the beaten path, see the best view that you can find where you can take like that crazy panorama photo where there isn't another single person in that shot. To me, that's like heaven. You know, like if I could find one of these parks where it's completely empty and, you know, when you're looking at the photo, uh, you know, as the viewer, you feel like you're, you're someplace that maybe no one's ever been before. Uh, obviously, you know, that's, you know, probably not true. People do go there, but I want that experience when I'm kind of getting out there. And to me, it's really liberating and it's really exciting too. Like anytime I get one of those shots where there's just nobody around, I'm like, yes, you know, like another one for the collection. And, uh, you know, it, I don't know, it, it kind of keeps me motivated to check out new places too. Cause you know, I always want to add to that collection. Yeah. The, uh, your Instagram is great. Cause you have a lot of those really amazing shots up of, of where you've been, um, and as someone, my wife and I used to travel a lot. We, we have two young kids, so we don't do it as much anymore, but we did a lot of international travel. We went to South Africa, I've been to Iceland and I, I know full well the, the, the itch, uh, to get the camera out and get some really, get some really great, uh, grand Vista shots and, and, and put them on the wall. So, I mean, do you have any specifics, uh, specific shots or, or, or things you've captured that you're particularly proud of, or maybe that, that you've got hanging above the mantle? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one picture I've got in my living room, 
uh, came at the end of a kind of a crazy trip through Maine. So I was in Maine doing the kind of typical New England, uh, you know, try to hit every state and get a little taste of, you know, what each state has to offer. And when I was in Maine, I was at uh, Acadia National Park. And, you know, there was a lot of people there. It was summertime. It was kind of tourist season. And I was feeling like, well, I've heard so much about how, you know, Maine is sort of like the Pacific Northwest, but this doesn't really feel like that. This feels more like a tourist trap. So I was just Googling around. And like one of my tricks that I do is I just look on Google Maps and see where's like the biggest patch of green, you know, because usually that represents a park. And then <laughs> a lot of times it'll be as simple as that. And I'll just go drive there and like see what I can find. And uh, I was Googling and I, I started to hear about this little place called Greenville, which they basically had like moose safari tours. And I was like, well, I have no idea what that is. Uh, it doesn't sound like they're harming the animals, which is always kind of important to me. Like I'm not a hunter at all. I'm not trying to, you know, be Donald Trump Jr. and, you know, hold up some crazy animal's tail for a photo. You know, I'm just out there having a good time. So I read up about the moose uh, safaris. Apparently they're very popular up there. So uh, you know, I call around, everybody's booked, and they finally say, well, look, I know a freelance moose safari guy named Lone Wolf. And I was like, well, <laughs> that sounds a little sketchy, but <laughs> l- let's just call this guy. So I call him, and he's like, yeah, you know, just come into town, uh, go through the only stop sign, and then park in the parking lot at the right. I'll meet you at 7.30 a.m. or something like that. And I was like, well, this sounds like a pretty good plan. I get there, uh, and it, it did start to feel like a horror movie was like unfolding before my eyes. Like it was very clear he had multiple weapons on him. Like he had knives. Like if he was in a fight with a bear, I think he would pretty handily <laughs> kill the bear, right? And so, I don't. Yeah. At this point, I don't know how I got into this spot, but I was like, well, let's go ahead and do it. So we drive out into the forest about an hour and a half. I mean, I have no service. If he wanted to rob me, he could have robbed me blind. Uh, he gets us out on uh you know sort of like a kayak or a canoe uh, and we're on uh, this beautiful pristine lake i mean just in, you know in the middle of nowhere and i'm like well look even if i don't see any moose i mean this is fantastic right we come around this curve and boom there's like a moose with a baby just like very slowly uh walking into the water and and kind of feeding and it was like i mean there was no way I could have ever envisioned myself doing that. Even at the start of that morning, when I had the idea, it was just like that perfect moment. And and here it was. So got some pictures from that, that are, that are hanging up. And, you know, I always thank lone wolf. I mean, he's like the kind of guy like 1960s or 70s sports illustrated. I mean, that's the kind of guy that they would profile, you know, like the crazy outdoorsman who just knows how the world works and, uh, you know, can show it to like the city slickers or, or whatever the stereotype might be. But uh, that's definitely one for sure. I mean, way high on the bucket list. It, it just felt like if I had, you know, tried to do that a hundred times, I might have gotten that lucky, you know, one out of a hundred times, and it was great. Mr. Lone Wolf. I mean, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do moose uh, safaris, I would go Bull Moose as your name. You know, like <laughs> just get on brand. Well, the crazy thing about it was I I believe he was called that because his family had some sort of a business for raising Iditarod dogs. Now, I'm, I might be getting this story. Oh. You know, my my memory isn't perfect, but there was a lot of backstory where, like I said, it was exhilarating because I was fearing for my life a little bit. Uh, but, you know, it, it's also one of those things where when are you ever going to do that again? And that's one of my big takeaways, just like, you know, in terms of the, the evangelizing side, it's like, I mean, there are so many different places that maybe you live in a two-hour radius from that just because out of habit you've never been to. I mean, they're there. Like you hear New Yorkers will say, "Well, I've never been to the Statue of Liberty," or people in Portland, uh, you know, they might have been to like the Multnomah Falls, which is like the very uh, popular waterfalls that everybody brings tourists to. But there's you know 50 other waterfalls up and down right by that same one that maybe they haven't been to and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always saying like, just look where you can go within an hour's drive of where you live. Just find some place you've never been before and go see what it's like, because it could turn out to be awesome. It could turn out to have some crazy story that, uh, uh you'll, you'll be able to kind of tell people about for years. I'm like a true indoorsman. You know, I'm the type of guy that's like, you know, I, I, I like you go out and, and cut the bushes and then check for ticks and like go inside as soon as possible. Uh, but I admire that sort of adventurous spirit. I just, I guess I'm just wondering, like, what have you ever had like a scary moment or a moment where you're kind of in the middle of nowhere and you and you and you really you really become cognizant of there's no way out of this if I if this doesn't work out right for me where I'm at right now yeah well one that comes to mind so there's this place called Antelope Island in Utah and it's right outside Salt Lake City and 
They've kind of stocked it with American buffalo or bison. And so that's sort of the big draw is you can go there and drive up and down this road and you'll be within, you know, sometimes say like 20 or 30 feet of these huge, beautiful bison animals. And uh, you always hear these horror stories about, oh, tourists at Yellowstone mauled because they tried to take a selfie with this animal or, or whatever. And uh, you know, as I, as I was driving along, you know, they very carefully mark everything. They say, you know, stay on the trails, like don't kind of go off hiking. But like I said, I'm really competitive with the panoramas. So I saw the bison field and I was like, this is awesome. I just need to get up above this to kind of take a sweeping picture of like, say 200 bison and no other people. And like, this will be the angle that, you know, I'll cherish forever. Right. And so I, I hike up, I park in the designated parking lot, but I kind of hike where I'm not supposed to through this little ridge. I get up to where there's this big rock structure. Uh, and I'm not like the world's most athletic person. I had knee surgery. Like I'm not some crazy like guy hanging off a cliff, right? I'm just doing what sort of pretty much anyone would be able to do. It's just kind of hiking up rock by rock on top of this. I get the picture. It's perfect. I, I start scrambling back around, uh, coming back towards where my car is. And all of a sudden there is a deer uh, and I've clearly spooked the deer. Like, it's eyeing me. And I'll be honest, like, I'm kind of afraid of animals like dogs. I'm not good around dogs. I'm really touchy around horses. Like, if there was a horse within five feet of me, I'd get real paranoid and just kind of, you know, want to run the other way as fast as possible. And this deer is just, like, staring at me. And we're basically in a staring contest. And I knew I wasn't supposed to, uh, you know, I knew I was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be. And this was why, like I had broken the rule and they had all these other signs of these other animals that, you know, potentially live nearby that were probably a little bit more dangerous than a deer. But nevertheless, like the deer had just like spooked me too, right? We had kind of spooked each other. So I was just like stuck with this deer <laughs> in between me and my car for like 45 minutes. Finally, he moved on. But when I got back to my car, I was like, this is why they have rules. You're supposed to follow the rules. I was like kind of beating myself up over it. Uh, but, you know, you'll see all sorts of weird animals if you really do just kind of explore. Like I saw an alligator uh, at this park down in Texas, uh, you know, the, the moose, like I said, I, I've seen some elk up in Washington, uh, and there's seals along the Pacific coast. I mean, these animals that you hear about, or maybe you see on nature shows, if you're, uh, you know, kind of the indoor person, like you're describing, it's amazing how accessible these animals are. Actually, if you just go out to the parks and, uh, that, that's one of my other big takeaways is just the national park service or even the state park service is totally underrated and unbelievable. Like there's been a lot of thought and a lot of care put into identifying which of these spots are sort of the best for people to go visit, which are fun, which are exciting. Uh, and they have great services. You know, like uh, I was at Zion, like I mentioned, you know, during the Kyrie thing. I mean, it's wheelchair accessible. You can get all the way out to this beautiful, uh, you know, river within a canyon, uh, even if you're in a wheelchair. I mean, they just have bus systems and they have, you know, paved mm -hmm. roads and everything. So uh, to me, it's really cool that we have that. I don't think every country has that. And a big part of why I love the outdoors is because I don't want to feel like I'm taking that stuff for granted. Uh, I did buy a drone earlier this year to kind of, you know, like I said, try to find that angle that nobody else is like taking a picture of. Right. And it's very kind of impressive, honestly, how quickly the government parks have kind of cracked down on drones. And so you might be out in the middle of nowhere, barely can catch a bar on your cell phone, but there's going to be a sign there that says, you know, no drones here. And, uh, you know, to me, that's a little bit frustrating. Like, I feel like maybe that's just still a gray area where like maybe a few people were irresponsible in terms of how they were flying the drones or, uh, you know, maybe they weren't respectful to sort of their fellow park goers. But I would like to see, you know, if I was like, you know, a, a, a politician, I'd like to see clearer guidelines about, you know, where you can use those and when. Well, you know, Ben, uh, you would never put up a drone uh, for a couple shots when the signs told you not to, would you? That's the thing is I try, I kind of was scared straight by that deer. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And every once in a while, you know, you, <laughs> every once in a while you're like, look, I really am the only person here. And, you know, like I mentioned with the whole space thing, that is really the coolest feeling though. Like if you find a spot and maybe it's been written about in some travel guide or, you know, I, I consult like hiking guidebooks or whatever, but uh, like, the, for example, there's this one park in central California, it's called Montaña de Oro. And it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. I mean, they have these crazy cliffs that extend off into the coast. They have a perfect kind of flat um, walk. So anyone could do it. Again, you could have a wheelchair and, and do this walk. And as you're going along, you're seeing nothing but these like beautiful sort of reefs. And, it, you know, if you go down on the reefs, there's all these crabs and fish that are just right there. I mean, you can see them and practically touch them. Uh, you know, beautiful birds, you know, pelicans and, and all these other animals. Um, 
and you know you get there and you're all by yourself and you know you, you, the temptation is huge to to want to be able to you know take shots like that and yeah I will admit every once in a while I do do that but uh you know generally I mean the parks are there for a reason they're always saying like you know leave nothing but footprints take nothing but pictures I think you know in terms of sort of like the outdoorsy uh, or like the stereotypical like LL Bean mottos that are out there. I think that's a pretty good one. I mean, now you you know you talk all about the places you've been, but what about the experience of actually hiking? Uh, are you someone that likes difficult technical hiking challenges? Are you more of a hey, I just want to kind of go out there and, and and get on a path to to see the destinations or or the the sites that I'm looking for? Like, what's your what's your desire for the hiking when you're when you're out in these in these areas? For, it's a great question. It goes back to the balance for me. Like with my work, I'm a completist, you know, like I want to know every single fact about the NBA. I want to have the most uh, knowledge that I possibly can have about the league so that, you know, when I'm making my analysis columns or when I'm, uh, you know, on my podcast, uh, you know, arguing or bantering with someone that like I've got that that special nugget that nobody else knows that can kind of win the argument or, or kind of, uh, you know, put forward uh, the best case. And it's sort of the opposite when it comes to the hiking side of it. Like rather than being the, the deep dive guy, I'm much more of the surface type person. I'd rather go to 10 places and spend, say, four hours uh, at each of them than go to one place and just like totally immerse myself and be out there in the wilderness, uh, you know, for 36 hours and, you know, sleep in a hammock and all that. Like I'm I'm not that hardcore uh, I'd say I'm a little bit high maintenance, actually. Like I'm always trying to, you know, get back to the nearest Marriott, like I said, because you know, cash in those points. And so, when it comes to the actual hikes, uh, usually, you know, what I'm going for is something in the, you know, one to two hour range, you know, at most. Uh, part of that is just, you know, it's a busy job, you know, like covering the NBA. Like it's hard to get you know, much more time than that, especially during the season away. Mm -hmm. Uh, And part of that is just, um, you know, I'm looking for exercise. I'm not looking to kill myself, uh, you know? And and so usually what I will do is (laughs) an easy trick is like, look for anything called inspiration point or like, look for anything called like panoramic view. And a lot of these parks, they all just use the same names. And, you know, if you see one of those, it's like bingo, you know, you've got to go there because that's probably the best view in the place. And, uh, you know, I try to get there as quickly as possible uh, you know, explore for a bit, you know, see what kind of uh, animals might be around. Hey, maybe there's some butterflies, maybe there's some lizards, uh, maybe there's some turtles. One time in Oklahoma City, I stumbled upon uh, a turtle at, at one of their state parks, which was just you know fascinating to look at, uh, you know, just stuff that you wouldn't see on a normal ba- uh, everyday basis. And, uh, you know, usually that's enough for me. Like, I, I don't need to have covered every square foot or be the guy who, uh, you know, is hanging out with bears, uh, like that Grizzly Man movie. Yeah, that, that's not really me. Grizzly Man is one of the most disturbing movies ever. I, 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 I was a film critic in the early part of the 2000s, and I remember reviewing it and being so shocked at how cavalier he got with those animals and how, look, I, look, I have a four-year-old. I know they look cute. Like it's, it's easy to say those look cute, but those are like walking chainsaws that could de- devour you at any minute. Um, <laughs> And I, I, what were your thoughts on Timothy Treadwell, his story, and then, and then, have you ever met any other kooky characters in these parks that you feel like just are are out there living on on the edge <laughs> with no good reason? Uh, I, you know, there's always characters at these parks. There's no question. Uh, and sometimes it's the hardcore f- uh, photographers that make me the most, uh, you know, excited to talk to. Uh, at SI, we've got a couple of great photographers. One guy who comes to mind is like John McDonough. He's followed me on some, like we did an interesting story with Mike Tyson where he just got some great photos from that. I think he's shot something like the last 30 NBA finals. And so like the knowledge that you accumulate Mm. over the course of that career is just crazy to even think about. You know, I've been writing about the NBA for 10 years. And uh, so he's, he's tripled that. uh, And he's probably shot, you know, who knows, 10,000 events over the course of that time. Right. And there's there's nature photographers, people who I would otherwise have no way to sort of even interact with other than maybe coming across something that they do on Instagram if I'm really looking hard, uh, who have that same level of knowledge, right? And, and you'll know that you found a good spot if there's somebody with like a camera lens that's like three feet long who's just like sitting there waiting for the right light to, to take their photos. And those are the <laughs> kinds of people who I like to kind of pick their brains. 
uh, you know, usually, I mean, the real hardcore people, they love the sunsets. They love the sunrises. I'm not much of a sunrise guy. That's, that's too much for me. I, I can't wake up that early, but, uh, you know, they're looking for things like that, or they're looking for really rare animals. I mean, there was one guy who I met actually, uh, in a suburban park in Portland who was waiting four hours, uh, in this, uh, forest, basically in, in the kind of chair that you would use to like attend your kid's soccer game. Uh, because he knew there was going to be an owl that was going to pop out uh, at this one tree at a certain time. How he knew this, I have no idea. But he was waiting there with four separate cameras lined up to take his different photos. And, uh, you know, to talk to people like that, it's like, you're never going to find somebody like that in an NBA game, uh, you know, during the course of my normal daily job. And so, again, I picked their brains. I'll be honest, though. I'm not taking notes. Like, I'm not trying to be the guy who knows every single thing about owls. Uh, it's more about trying to feel why it matters so much to him and, and relate, relating uh, to nature uh, with him on that level. When we first emailed about this, you had mentioned that you had had heart surgery and that hiking like this has provided sort of a the, the right level of exercise for you. I was going to ask you, like, when you, just due to your own sort of uh, personal health history, do, does that make you know, the, the experience of being outdoors, getting this exercise, but also sort of um, getting the experiences that you do, does that make that even more meaningful to you personally? Well, yeah, it's it's tricky because so I had uh, heart surgery when I was in middle school and then I had heart surgery again in 2008. And basically the first one, they repaired a valve and the second time they replaced it. Now I'm in great shape. But after that first uh, heart surgery, I really noticed that like my wind in terms of being able to run long distances, I was really into soccer. I played basketball. Uh, you know, both sort of like, you know, 12 months a year in Oregon. I, that was all I did was play sports. But I knew, noticed my wind, uh, you know, wasn't the same after that first surgery. Uh, and then in college, I was playing basketball and had just a horrific knee injury. I, I blew out my LCL, uh, MCL, uh, ACL, and my meniscus all in one shot. And I actually had to have the Baltimore Orioles, like team surgeon, uh, <laughs> redo my knee because it was, it, was mm. it was that bad. But uh, between all of those experiences, it does limit like what I was able to do. I mean, they basically said like, don't play basketball again. You're just going to have to keep having knee inju- uh, knee surgeries. Uh, after I rehabbed, I played a little bit, and sure enough, I had to have a second knee surgery. So, uh, you know, things like basketball are out, contact sports were out because of my heart. You know, so I can't play football in high school, uh, anything like that. Uh, and then running. I mean, going back to the wind angle, like a lot of my fellow NBA writers, they're they're running addicts. You know, a guy like Paul Flannery for SB Nation or uh, Henry Abbott used to be at ESPN. I mean, those guys are like legit runners, and uh, and that was just something that's kind of not available to me. So the hiking aspect, uh, yeah. If, I mean, it's again, it's kind of practical. It's like, well, you want to get an hour of exercise every day if you can, if you want to stay sane and you don't want to weigh, uh, you know, you don't want to put on a bunch of weight. Uh, but hiking, it's like, it's better than walking. It, it's easier on my body than running. Uh, and as you're hiking, like you can kind of just like stop and smell the roses a little bit. And I think that's really important too. I mean, so much of why I do this, it's like mental health, uh, as much as it is like the physical health, right? I mean, you can get so locked mm-hmm. into the grind of the NBA calendar. You know, my whole life really is structured around like when preseason is, uh, when the regular season starts, you know, Christmas is always devoted to, you know, attending an NBA game you know, May and June are always on the road for the playoffs. I mean, you can just kind of like bank those things in. Uh, And so, you know, a big part of, you know, the hour away, you know, per day is to just, uh, you know, feel better about life, maybe think through, uh, you know, think through some story ideas, maybe reflect on something that I wrote or something else that I read. And then also, I I love the podcast. I mean, I I have my own podcast, uh, Open Floor, that SI's NBA podcast, but I also listen to tons of podcasts. And like hiking and podcasts go together perfectly. I mean, if you're wandering around the forest for an hour or two, like what better than to listen, you know, catch up on a podcast maybe you haven't yeah. heard in a while. So, um, you know, for that reason, uh, yeah, I would say it's sort of happiness oriented, like you're saying. Uh, but a lot of it is to just take a break from, you know, the daily grind. Yeah, podcasts are perfect because you can still hear guys like Lone Wolf sneak up on you from behind if you need to, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have any big fish, like bucket list types of places that you know you want to get to either domestically or internationally? Yeah. So I'm on a mission to uh, go to every one of the 50 states. I want to say like I'm around like 37, 38, 39, 40, like somewhere in that range. I haven't tallied it up recently, but I actually collect uh, like travel magnets from every place that I go, whether it's a city or a park. Hmm. And I always try to get like the goofiest, craziest travel magnet. The one that you look at and just (laughs) say like, who would ever buy this? Or like, why would they even make this? Like, that's the one that I buy. So I have actually 
what's the what's the worst one? What's the goofiest one that you have? Oh man, uh, that's that's a tough question. I mean, I've got like a really big moose where like the arms and the legs are kind of like moving and shaking all the time. I've got a gigantic crab. I mean, <laughs> I, I could go on like name an animal. I've probably got it. Uh, but one, <laughs> one of the places that I've wanted to go for a long time is Glacier uh, in Montana. And my grandpa actually, this is way back. I mean, I don't even know when this was, maybe the 50s. He did a road trip all the way from Michigan and he drove up to Alaska. And so I think if we're talking like big bucket lists, I think I would like to sort of recreate that trip. You know, maybe not starting in Michigan, maybe starting here in California, but like get up through Montana and just, you know, get into like really, you know, kind of desolate uh, Canada, you, know, you do, do it at the right time of the year. So it's not freezing cold. Uh, but I think the next thing that I've really got circle would be glacier. Um, just because, you know, like take, just, just search it on Google or search it on Instagram, wherever. I mean, the pictures are out of this world, very remote, uh, not a lot of people there, pristine. Uh, it's kind of everything that I would want in a destination. How about, we don't talk about sports on this show, but if you could take one NBA player hiking to the middle of nowhere who would be the most i guess who would be your first choice and why man that is a uh that is a really tough question i mean you want to have somebody who is open-minded and into it would you want like an eccentric guy like Kyrie? you know who just he's going to talk about you're going to get up to the highest point and he's going to tell you there's no curvature of the earth do you want someone who's just a bulldog who like damian lillard who could do it all day and be like no let's keep going i mean like i don't know it's All right, I, many, many, many paths to, to consider, but no right answer. Okay, I've got it, though. Now, now I've thought about it. So when you said Kyrie, I kind of shivered. I got a little uncomfortable because I'm, <laughs> I, I'm picturing him talking too much and ruining it, right? Like, it really is about, like, the, so, <laughs> the solitude and the peace. And, like, the most important thing is, like, if you see something amazing and you're with somebody else and they see it, too, you just kind of have that knowing nod. Like, you don't have to say anything. You just kind of nod and say, like, yeah, this is... This is pretty spectacular. And so for that reason, there's really only one answer, and it'd be Kawhi Leonard. I mean, I'm not sure he's talked at all during his uh. entire NBA uh, career. I think he would have – I would hope that he would have an appreciation for the outside. Uh, and he's also the kind of guy who's always working to make himself better. Like every year he comes back with more and more skills. So I, th- I think he would kind of get in line with my competitiveness in terms of finding that next great photo or, or that other angle that nobody else has done. Uh, so for that reason, if I have to take anybody to Glacier with me from the NBA, it's going to be Kawhi. And I bet Kawhi would even pack like little sandwiches he'd made too, you know? Like he's <laughs> always got you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, man, this is awesome. I really appreciate you coming on and telling, uh, you know, telling your story. I want to encourage everyone to follow you on Instagram for number one. It's at uh, ben.goliver. Uh, it's got all, a lot of your photos, um, a lot of really interesting different uh places that you've been and then uh, on twitter i think it's just ben goliver no no period between right correct yeah and i'm new to instagram i'm still figuring it out i finally started an account basically in february or march so if you're wondering why there's like not that many photos that's why i was like the latest possible adopter but the reason is is because i was worried i was going to get addicted to it and i was right like i'm completely addicted i'm on there every day now looking at other people's shots trying to you know figure out oh maybe i can get there uh, you know, if, if the Thunder make the second round of the playoffs, maybe I can get to this park or if the, you know, the Warriors are going to be in the finals again, here's some place in Oakland Hills that I've never been to before. So, uh, I'm working to kind of add, you know, to my photo repertoire on Instagram. Well, Hey, thanks again, man. I really, I really appreciate the time. And I think we set a record. I think this was the first NBA podcast, uh, this summer to not ask any questions about LeBron James. So there you go. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Glad to do it. I appreciate it. And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media, they all do awesome stuff away from sports and are immediately criticized for it and called a distraction. Hogwash. The things that distract us from work are the things that save our souls. So on this show, we tell you what's been distracting us every week. Adam, distract us, my friend. Man, I've got so many things. Um, I bought... Uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius off Amazon the other day. So I've been reading that. Um, I'm on, I'm on the first page. It's very dense. Just, it cost me $1, though. <laughs> Steal of the year. Um, nice. Brad, do you have a hard time getting to sleep? 
No. Well, if you do, I discovered something that works for me. <laughs> my wife does. My wife does. So uh, this is, I, I heard about this on uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast, but to you take a, uh, a mug of water, uh, so take hot water in a, in a mug, um, two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar, and some raw honey, and you will be knocked out. Jack Daniels also works. Really? But this uh, this is a homeopathic solution, I believe they call it. It has worked for me, and I'm someone that has usually uh, needed sleep medication to stay asleep. Um, this has uh, been successful, and, and uh, who knows if it's... Um, what do you call it? What am, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, placebo effect. Legal? <laughs> Who knows if it's the placebo effect or not. <laughs> yeah. But I found that this works for me. So that's a distraction I've been experimenting with. I put a lot of things into my body, but this seems to be an, like uh, this seems to be an effective one. I like it, man. I like it. Um, I've got a distraction, and it's pure terror in uh, in two forms. One is Radiolab, all-time great podcast, yeah. uh, lots of science focus. Uh, they did a new story about there are two new technologies coming out. One allows you to, in real time, manipulate video and make someone's face do things they're not doing. Oh, so, yeah. So, Adam, you were, if I was filming you taping this podcast, and then I could just change you to make you sound, you're talking about something serious, but I make you smile, or I make you <laughs> make an expression. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. The other is I think it's Adobe or another company that's 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 experimenting with technology that with only 20 minutes of audio they can now replicate your voice saying pretty much any word. That's crazy. Well, you put these two things together like Radiolab did and you've got a real recipe for the types of fake news that like we can't come back from easily. Right. This is the first time that I ever really was listening to something and thinking and, and the host brought this up in, on the show too. Like, I wonder if the government should just stop that, should just seize the technology and stop it. Now, that stinks because you don't want the government to have technology to do that, and no one else. So I, I'm not, I'm not for that. I'm a pretty much a, a free speech absolutist, but I'm very concerned about the spread of falsified information. And how it's really just causing everyone to just not have any trust in anything. And the the thing they brought up was now, you know, in four years, if there's new tape like the 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 bus tape of Trump, they just say that was that was that was made up. Yeah, and most people will believe it. You know, that was going to be my next. That was going to be my immediate reaction is. Um, with a, a president who currently calls everything fake news and claims that nothing, again, despite the evidence that's presented, uh, despite the evidence that's presented, he claims every slander against him is fake. How soon until he starts using this? Like next week? He made this story may not have reached him yet because he's busy watching Fox News. But as soon as he hears about this, anything that that leaks that uh, of him actually saying something stupid because we know there's more tape out there. Uh, he can, he can instantly in the current administration say that it was, is fake. Um, this goes back to people kind of believing whatever they want to believe, but I agree. What a dangerous technology. And look, I don't, I don't want us to sound like we're piling on Trump. This is all institutions. This is, Oh no, I am. Uh, this is, uh, I'm all over Trump. Oh yeah. Well, fair. I'm not trying to push the panic button. But go listen to it. It's, it's a fascinating uh, piece of investigative journalism that has no easy answers because I think this is a time that we're in of no easy answers. And a lot of us in our generation, you know, Gen X, the, 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 the older end of Gen Y, the missing generation, I would say, because we should be stepping up and running things. Instead, we're like shrinking and letting 80-year-olds and 70-year-olds make all the policies for this, this world. We got to step up and decide what kind of future we're going to live in. And I don't want to live in a future where no one believes anything. I, I just, just come on. We could do better than this. Like we don't, you know, we don't need to do this this way. So anyway, off my soapbox. Uh, I also like the shack rap, and uh, <laughs> life moves on. You are multifaceted. I will say this, Adam. Man. With that, 
with that technology, I could start running my own shack wraps. Well, I'm more worried that you'll just phase Gareth and I out. Um, we'll agree with everything you say on the podcast. Um, you won't have to worry about editing our audio <laughs> because it will all be done. Yeah, it's just even more work for me to write your parts too. <laughs> and Joe, <coughs> who's alive somewhere. Yeah, I know. Maybe we can create a false Joe since the real Joe don't love us no more. Oh, Joe, we miss you. Come back. No, Come back. I don't really miss All you. Right. Fuck you, That's Joe. our show for this week. <laughs> All right, that's our show for this week. Let's end with some shout-outs. I'm going to give a shout-out to Ben Golliver. I'm going to give a shout-out to everyone over at Sports Illustrated. They do great work. I uh, really enjoy his podcast with Andrew Sharp. You should check it out. It's called Open Floor. A really fun analysis of the NBA. You might remember Andrew from his time with Grantland as well. And I also want to give a shout-out to all the beat writers who have covered the NBA, which is now a, a very much a year-round sport. I see a lot of them taking vacations in August. Things have finally settled down. Uh, I hope they actually get away. I know what it's like to work 80-hour weeks that never stop, and I hope you guys have good vacations and get to go to your parks and not have to do emergency podcasts from there. <laughs> Adam, any shout-outs? Uh, no, I, no one really to shout-out except for my usual friends, and never has this been more fun than coming off the LeVar Ball diss track. But I'd like to give a shout-out to my boy Uzi. Def Jeff, Little Swanee, mm-hmm. Meech, Ron Mack, and my other cousin Ron. And Adam, in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal, I feel like Martin with this flow. <laughs> Damn, Gina! <laughs> May that be the last time we say that on this podcast. No? Booty rappers. Might have to be. Booty booty rappers. Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty.